1: Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I've got the whole squad today. That's Lucas, Jared, Aiden, Wyatt, and myself, Bart. Today we're going to be talking exclusively about the NFL Draft, just doing an NFL Draft recap for you all. But before we get into that, as usual, some news that we missed. Um, In our one soccer news per every six months, (laughs) we've got (laughs) Erling (laughs) Haaland. I don't even know how to say his name, actually. Lucas, is that right?
2: I think I've heard Erling Holland, but,
1: you know. Okay, well, Erling broke the Premier League record for uh, goals scored in a season, which was last set in the 90s, so that's pretty cool. mm -hmm. Doesn't play for Liverpool, so that's not cool.
2: (laughs) In addendum soccer news, Messi is leaving PSG at the end of the season and was suspended for two weeks for taking like an unapproved sponsor trip to Saudi Arabia for... You know, yeah, a few weeks.
3: Who hasn't taken an unapproved sponsor trip to Saudi <laughs> Arabia? You know, it just is, you know, happens to the best of us. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Apparently, they're, so, they're paying him money to, like, be an ambassador for soccer there, right? And <laughs> so yeah. he just said, screw, like, yeah. screw PSG, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, because
3: the Ronaldo yeah. contract was, I forget what it was, right? But it was absolutely insane. So what's Messi's yeah, contract going right to look like <laughs> if that happens?
2: Yeah, I don't know where he'll play. A lot of people think he'll go back to Barcelona, but I'd oh, okay. be surprised if he went elsewhere. I don't know.
1: Um moving to the NFL, we had some suspensions recently. The NFL suspended five players, four of whom play for the Lions for gambling. Who can tell me more about that?
0: You know what? I can, Bart. Glad you asked. Um yeah, Jameson Williams is one of the players he's gonna miss six games. Uh last I saw, unless like an appeal has been filed or anything like that, but I think it's interesting because it's okay if an NFL player bets on an NBA game while they're at their home, but apparently they did it while they were at like the stadium or practice facility and that's a big no no. So that's why they're getting suspended. I get that the league is trying to avoid what? like the appearance of like gambling interfering with their games, but that's kinda interesting. But and obviously they're making a lot of money off of gambling yeah. too, so the NFL is. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting.
3: I just do not understand it at all. Like I don't even I don't understand why that could give the appearance of impropriety or anything. It's a different sport. Mm-hmm. You're not involved with it, right? Like yeah. It's like like if they went to Vegas and go play. I don't know if they play online poker. Like why should I?
0: Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. that's weird. Yeah, that's fair.
3: Uh, Michael
1: Parsons is gambling with his success because he's switching to defensive end apparently full time. Pu- putting on some weight. He's gonna bulk up in Austin before heading back to Dallas OTAs later this season.
0: Mm-hmm. Does Austin have better food or what? Why is he in Austin?
1: <laughs>
0: it, it just sounds it does, more
4: serious so, yeah. if it's away from the team. Yeah, few a few hours <laughs> or whatever to Austin
2: and let everybody know that like you're on your own.
0: Yeah, that's Remember? how serious I am about this. I feel like this is like my monthly draft day reference. Do you remember that scene in Draft Day where the trainer's like, you know about those secret workouts that the quarterback's been doing this off season? <laughs> I feel like that's this is the same energy. <laughs> With all the like, really oh, I need a- to
1: rewatch that movie you do you really it's a classic drafted. it's a it's classic me, Lucas. You know. you watch it.
0: it's but it's, it's an it's a, awful movie. <laughs> no it's not it's not bad yeah. it, it is legitimately good but it's always like there's always like the oh he's on some secret workout plan like in the off season and he's getting shredded <laughs> or something like that like that's like a thing that you hear all the. that's like a pat mcafee type topic right there
3: yeah, yeah i haven't seen draft eight either but i prefer to like gradually have the movie told to me by jared <laughs> yeah. over the course, over of, the the course of like years yeah, and years exactly. and years <laughs>
0: Yeah, you will if you listen to this podcast for three more years. You will have heard the entire movie.
2: (laughs) It's like isn't how in like in the Catholic Church and like Mass, like you get the whole Bible over three years or something like that. Yes, the draft Mm. day should be the equivalent to that. Oh my gosh,
1: good analogy, Lucas. That was a good analogy. Thank you. Um, Okay, moving on to the NBA. Dylan Brooks is having himself a downer of a month because he was terrible. Uh, Grizzlies said they will not be bringing him back under any circumstances. Several times he was a coward and refused to take interviews with the media. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts about Dylan Brooks?
4: (laughs) Here's, here's what I think it is with Dylan Brooks. It's like when you get in trouble on the playground as a kid and somebody pushed you and then you push back and they just saw you and they're like, you're the one who's out here pushing like everybody else on the Grizzlies had the same attitude as him. He was just the last person to really say it. He's also the worst person to say it. Desmond Bade had some things to say about Ruri Hachimura about like, let's see if he can do it again. That's a Dutch Jaw almost entire identity with the I'm fine in the West comments, but Dylan Brooks is kind of the, like the scapegoat of all this of like the immature immaturity of it. He is a little goofy. He does kind of have some Lance Stevenson type, uh, Mannerisms, you know, to to the way he, that he plays his game. But I do think that he wasn't like the only person doing it. Uh, he's just the person that everybody wants to pick out who did do it, you know. But he kind of got what's coming for him,
0: though.
4: <laughs> and I'm not saying that like he should be admired or for what he did or he. This is be, he's been, um, he, he's being put underneath an unfair light. He wanted to be the villain. He is the villain, and it it blew up in his face. And then he kind of backed away from it which i think blew up in his face even more. He should have just leaned into it.
1: Agreed. Uh and then last thing, the Sixers did get smacked today but Joel Embiid officially won MVP this season. So all of our talk about MVP can
2: finally end. <laughs> and the Sixers also won game 1, so let's not Not for either... <laughs> Without Embiid. <laughs> yeah, without Embiid. <laughs> He's, how valuable this is is the Shake the Rostov game? Yeah, exactly. yeah, great point. <laughs> Sample size of two.
0: <laughs> if Jokic, if Jokic, uh, freaking makes it, if wins this year, even if he makes it to the Western Conference Finals, that's like my worst nightmare for this podcast. And Luca missed the playoffs. Bart's gonna have a field day <laughs> with that.
2: I mean, it seems like <laughs> yeah, in all sure. likelihood Jokic will make the Western. Conference I know. I'm finals sh- I'm shuddering kind of at the fact the
0: that it could happen. <laughs> Well, Sorry, swept in the Western been Finals. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> they actually look really good. But they look awesome. Yeah, they do. Oh. All
1: right, well, let's, uh, let's dive into the NFL draft recap now. Uh, we're going to start off talking about our winners, and we just collectively agreed to not talk about the Eagles because the Eagles have been getting a ton of love since the draft. I, Everybody knows they had a good I one. I do want to
4: add something to that real quick. Go for mm-hmm. it. They had a great draft. I also think they could have... No matter what, had a great draft. If they had drafted Bijan Robinson with the tenth overall pick, and the board had fallen that way, everyone would have been like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe the the league let him get Bijan Robinson." <laughs> if they got Jackson Smith and Jigba, everyone would have said, "Oh my goodness, the Super Bowl team got Jackson Smith and Jigba. How could the league let this happen?" The league did not let it happen. The Saints did because the <laughs> Saints gave the team that made it to the Super Bowl a top ten pick. What well, I mean, like there's uh-huh. there is nothing they could have picked unless they decided to pick. Hendon Hooker with a 10th overall pick or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> that that they could have done that would have been and they're not that dumb obviously like I like I get that they had a good draft I also think they couldn't have had a bad one to be honest mm. and that's why I think that it's so annoying when it's like here are my winners people on Twitter I see all the time just casual mm. fans mm. here are my winners from the draft and it's like it's Eagles Seahawks and it's like yeah they both had two first round picks and both in the top 10 there's nothing they could have done wrong
1: well Lions?
4: Lions? <laughs> we'll <get> yeah. There. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, Wyatt, you're first. Who's your winner?
4: My winner is Chris Ballard. I think Chris Ballard, this draft, and coupled with some of the moves he made this offseason, has saved his job. I thought that he was kind of on the hot seat. I do think he's a really talented GM, but going from veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback, kind of dancing in between all these guys, it was Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, mm-hmm. um, Carson Wentz and last year Matt Ryan who were all objective I mean awful failures everybody fell short all failures. And at the very least who won I mean I guess Philip Rivers yeah, I don't think Philip but...
0: Rivers is a failure anyway sorry
4: <laughs> yeah but we knew that he was like he was just kind of one year in and out and I get it they were left high and dry with the Andrew Luck retirement totally understand all that stuff um, but now they kind of finally have a chance at least Chris Ballard has a chance to put three more years on his timetable to say like, let's just watch this guy develop. We know he's gifted. We know he's raw, but we also just hired a quarterback guru to be our head coach. So in one off season, he drafted a quarterback, a young quarterback with tons of upside, not just like some random guy who like Jake Hainer, who might be a really good starter, but doesn't have a whole like lot of ceiling left. Anthony Richardson. And if he peeks out, he is up there. It's, it's him. It's Patrick Mahomes, you know, as like the two most gifted quarterbacks, Uh, with a guru who will hopefully let him develop, he might finally look like a genius once again.
1: Nice. Okay, Lucas, what do you got?
4: I have
2: running backs collectively. I think that there's a long time been a stigma around drafting running backs in the first round. You know, Running backs, the narrative is always they wear down easily. They're a product of the O-line. They can't really play much past their 30, all of which are true, which makes them maybe not the best investment. In the first round of the NFL draft, even though they are the best first round investment in your fantasy football league, but again, none of that seemed to matter in this year's NFL draft. Um, as as many first round running backs were taken in this year's draft as between 2020 through 2022 in the first round combined. There's also the highest drafted running back, us and Saquon in 2018 with Bijan Robinson going to the Falcons at number eight. Additionally, a second running back was picked. In the second round, and pretty high up too. In the Lions picking Jameer Gibbs, who I didn't really even see mocked in the first round anywhere. But the Lions, they went up and got him, uh, got their guy, and it meant also that the Eagles got DeAndre Swift in uh, a trade with the Lions, which made me happier. Uh, I was gonna make put the Eagles in here somehow, uh, but in addition to outside the first round, there were the most running backs taken in any draft as a whole since 2019. So yes, even though the death of the running back is a highly valued position in the draft has been on the downswing for the last 25 or so years. You think back to Kajana Carter being picked number one overall by the Bengals in 1995. Really underwhelming, getting injured. And since that point, no running back's been picked number one overall. The position has really lost its value in the draft a lot. But this year saw a little bit of a rebound with Robinson, uh, with Gibbs being picked so highly. And they're being 22 running backs picked in the draft as a whole, the highest in like four or five years. So... Running backs as a whole, they're my winner in this draft.
1: Yep. Yeah, two running backs going before a receiver was crazy to me. Right. That it was just crazy. Unexpected.
3: But uh okay, Aiden, who do you got? So I'm the first one to go with an actual team. I'm going the Titans. Um, I think started with Skaronsky. It's one of the safest picks of the draft. You know, he allowed six pressures across twelve games last year in the Big Ten. Very terrible team. Um but he was the only thing holding Northwestern together. Uh, But whether it's at tackle or guard, he'll be a stud. And I think it's more impressive that they managed to resist the temptation to reach for a QB at this point, either by trading up or picking Levis at number 11. And they still managed to, to get Levis at the beginning of the second round. I'm not a big fan of him per se, but it's so much smaller of a risk at 33 than at 11. And they really need something, some kind of spark to their team, some degree of hope. Um, because Malik Willis isn't that. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill isn't that. So maybe Will Levis, I know, give, gives them something here. Um, I think it's a pretty solid pick for where it is in the draft, at least. And then I feel like they spent the rest of the draft continuing to invest in their super anemic offense. You know, they added a running back to pair with Derrick Henry and TyJ Spears from Tulane, who averaged four point yards, 4.5 yards after contact per attempt over the last two years, which is pretty elite. They added a tight end to replace Austin Hooper. They added a, a deep threat to the receiving core. They added a, another really solid offensive tackle. So I feel like they made the right move in going all in on their offense because that really just has been such a such a weak point of late. Did, did we see Tannehill's comments about how it's deja vu? <laughs> yes. Tannehill's always salty. I didn't see it. I he didn't is. read them directly, but I'm assuming they were kind of salty.
2: How old is Tannehill at this point? He, like, he kind of has to recognize Older. Oh, that oh he's 34 actually, he's 30, 34 yeah i mean he's approaching the point where it's got to be kind of clear to him that like yeah. the best days are behind him and he had a wonderful career the time it was really good for a lot of years when he was the quarterback but
3: mm-hmm. he's like know. the face of like a serviceable nfl yeah he's yeah You know, <laughs> but yeah the, even those days i think are potentially gone
0: so, like it's also not a good sign when like one of the first google suggestions that comes up after you type of his na- type his name is wife. Like not like stats or accolades or something, <laughs> it's wife, like what? Classic.
3: I feel like that's Google for so many players though. That's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. People well, are out oh, here weird. apparently Googling these things. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is draft, contract, stats, parents, wallpaper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Just theoretically, what is Jalen Hurts draft contract
4: stats? Yeah. Okay. You're right, Jared. Joe it's, Burrow's it's a wife w- is higher. Yeah. Girlfriend is on Joe Burrow's so. Okay. You know.
2: Just hold on. Well, throw me another quarterback. Throw me another quarterback. <laughs> Just <laughs> all day. <laughs> draft, Herber. contract,
4: draft class, news, stats, contract extension, girlfriend, in jersey. Let's click on girlfriend.
2: Yeah, not bad. She's a news wow. reporter. Oh, okay. Jalen Hurts' girlfriend is actually third. So.
4: <laughs> okay. But Patrick Mahomes' wife is not on there at all.
2: Oh no, she's kind of famous too. But maybe it's because like we all already know her. You
3: know?
4: like, <laughs> no That's true. Her. She's not <laughs> hidden. Yeah.
3: Justin Herbert hair is like <laughs> eighth down. That's pretty good. Yeah. This
2: could be a fun <laughs> game. <laughs> you <know?
3: laughs> Have you seen the the? There's like
1: YouTube videos of actors and actresses doing the. Like, they guess what yeah. it is, and they uh-huh. peel it off, and then they answer it. It's fun. Um, okay, anyways, are we, <laughs> are we content on this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, we're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my winner is the Giants. I stole them from you, Wyatt. Um, but the Giants just had a really good draft. A lot of people loved it, and I can't disagree. I saw one tweet with, like, a... Again, who knows how these metrics are calculated, but I saw one tweet <laughs> saying that they had the best total draft value mm. uh, of any team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, all their picks were just really solid picks. Like, De- Deontay Banks at 25, arguably, okay, maybe, yeah, may- arguably the best cornerback. Uh, they had a need at cornerback. They got him at 25, so that was good. John Michael Schmitz was arguably the best center in the class. He's going to start on day one. They got him in the second round. That's good value. Uh, also filled a need Jalen Hyatt wide receiver from Tennessee also a really good wide receiver I saw him listed as high as the third best receiver they got him in the third round so also good value also filled a need and then Eric Gray they got a running back out of Oklahoma was it uh, a lot of people like this pick like Saquon was fourth in the league in, in carries last year So this guy is at least going to be a good backup and like change of pace back to give Saquon a lighter load. So I just feel like this was a really good draft for the Giants. They filled needs. Mm -hmm. They didn't reach on anybody. Uh, They didn't make any like really ridiculous trades. You know, I I can't claim to know much about the guys who were like past the first or second round. (laughs) They feel like toss ups to Mm -hmm. me always, but it seemed like the Giants had a very savvy draft.
4: Yeah. Yeah, What I saw for the draft, all three guys, their first three picks. I had seen at some point mocked to them at pick 25. I feel like to get all three of them makes a lot of sense. I didn't think Deontay Banks was going to be there. Um, And I thought they were going to go John Michael Schmitz for that first pick. But in order to kind of get him in the second round and have um, other interior linemen go in front of him was, to me, it was huge for us, which was a really, really, really uh, good draft.
3: Wyatt, your tanking plan, I feel like, isn't going so well. (laughs)
4: Well, you know what? (laughs) I would be like I would trade. What well, What do you think it would cost? Because you think what the Cardinals will probably have pick one and two, isn't that like no, kind of like you buried yeah. the overall yeah. yeah. consensus? It. it might. Yes, it they're is. pretty sad. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. It might. It, I mean, it might. It might be anything else. I saw a mock draft that said uh, they'd get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., which would be insane. But if they decide that they did not want pick one, I mean, I'd I'd be okay if the Giants were like, we'll give up three or four first round picks to get up there. I don't think I'd be mad about that.
3: Plus Daniel Jones, that quarterback room,
4: Caleb Williams. I'd give Daniel three first-round picks from Saquon to
0: get up there. Okay,
3: well,
1: Jared, tell us what you were going to tell us.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the Cardinals may very well become the first team since the 1992 Colts to have the first two picks of the NFL draft. Kyler Murray's still recovering from an ACL injury, might not return until the middle of next season, and then, of course, they acquired Houston's first-round pick from this year's trade. And they might be the two worst teams in the NFL potentially. They'll, they'll probably be fighting for it, uh, even if Bryce Young is good. They'll probably still be fighting for it. So imagine being able to draft Caleb Williams first overall. Then uh, yeah, another high impact high impact player, and then you may even, if you want to, be able to get another first round pick by trading Kyler Murray. So they could have like three potentially. Um, right. Cheap cheap quarterback, and like quarterbacks nowadays can develop into Super Bowl contenders within the span of their rookie contract. We've seen it multiple times now with Burrow and uh, Hertz. But then even even if you don't want to like take that hypothetical, which I think is still fair because all these draft grades are just projections. So, so I think it's fair to project about 2024 too. But in this year's drafts, they were getting a lot of A's and A-pluses all around. It was funny, actually, because Bart, on your State of the Cardinals episode, you mentioned their their needs were offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, and that's exactly what they did with their first three picks. Paris Johnson Jr. uh, for O-line. Then they went uh, B.J. Ojolari from LSU for D-line. And then a Syracuse uh, corner, Garrett Williams, uh, for their next pick. Um, And yeah, people really liked what they did with the draft. And it seems like they addressed their needs uh, pretty well there. So yeah, I think the Cardinals had a good draft. Yep. Okay, well, there
1: are some teams that many people thought didn't have a good draft. And we're going to come to their defense a little bit. Uh, I already alluded to them earlier one of those teams was the Lions who drafted uh, Jameer Gibbs at their 12th pick and then somebody else I don't remember who but anyway Aiden <laughs> I'll let you tell us uh, why were the Lions not making mistakes with this draft
3: you know as yeah as you allude to they've been criticized for reaching but they clearly had the set of guys they wanted and didn't want to take the risk that they'd be gone To be clear, they didn't totally ignore value, right, in this draft. They traded down from pick six to pick 12 and got the 34th pick, essentially a first-rounder, a late first-rounder in return. Um, And no one really doubts the talent of the guys that they, you know, quote-unquote, reached for in the first round. These are not project guys. These are guys who will contribute right away. Jameer Gibbs can be a starting, effective running back from day one. He's cheaper and fresher than DeAndre Swift, um, and I think he'll be better... Like, fairly early on. He was one of the best receiving backs, too, in college football last year. And then you have Jack Campbell, who they drafted at number 18, who, yes, was mocked later, but had the best PFF grade of any college linebacker last year. He was PFF's top linebacker in the draft. You know, maybe he would have been available later, sure, but he makes the Lions better today. So I kind of appreciate how, win now, this draft felt for the Lions. You know, and plus, if the argument is that they reached in some cases, they also took advantage of guys who fell. Like, Brian Branch, I saw mocked as going 15 to the Jets, for example, in certain mock drafts. They got him at 45. They traded up to get him at 45 and pounced on that. You know, I figured Hendon Hooker would get picked in the early stages of the second round. When he fell to the third, the Lions got him. You know, he's a guy who could legitimately end up being a starting QB down the line and enters a pretty perfect development situation here where he can sit behind Jared Goff for the two remaining years of his contract. So... You know, to finish off, I feel like their most controversial pick was the Sam, well, they had a lot of controversial picks, but the Sam Laporta pick when Michael Mayer was still available was pretty controversial. Um, And I do think Mayer would have been better, but I don't think Laporta is a bad pick. He feels like a Dan Campbell lion. He's very physical. He's going to break some kneecaps. You know, he's a very good blocker. (laughs) And he's not a huge reach. They picked him at 34. PFF had him at 42 on their big board. His receiving production was not you know, on the level of Mayer, but that's because he played for Iowa, I feel like. You know, when he did have the ball, he was very impressive. He was top three in college football in yards after the catch as a tight end, uh, and a missed tackles forced. He also ran a tenth of a second faster in the 40 than Michael Mayer, and this would not be the first time that an Iowa tight end emerges as a serious threat, you know, when an offense actually knows how to pass the ball competently. Like, George Kittle went to Iowa. He never had more than 314 receiving yards in a year at Iowa, and he turned out just fine. Laporta was far more productive at Iowa than Kittle ever was, and I feel like there's a good chance that he'll end up being good, too. Um, so, in summary, they're just because they're reaches, or people say some of them are reaches. Honestly, I feel like they got a really good set of players out of this draft, though. Yeah.
4: Yeah, he, the only thing about the draft, is I was saying during the mock drafts, The two positions that get mocked up as like the least, not necessarily the least productive, because running Mm -hmm. back is pretty productive, but the lowest value are both running back and linebacker. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. the teams that take the first linebacker off the board don't often see returns of, you know, like a top defensive player at their position. I just think that the players that they picked were not bad. I don't think that any, I don't think that like Jameer Gibbs was a stupid pick necessarily. But yeah, like you said, it's just bad value. And I think they could have added one more good player to their catalog. If everybody they'd picked had been back one spot, you know what I'm saying?
1: Um, okay. I'm up next. I've got the commanders. And honestly, in a lot of what you were just saying, I think also is kind of applicable to the commander's philosophy. I think a lot of people said that I, I'm going to address the first three picks specifically. Uh, a lot of people felt like these were reaches and like, you can argue that they were reaches, but I think in a lot of cases it also was justified and it just felt like the commanders had their guys that they wanted And they went for them. So, like, for example, Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback that they took at 16. He was the second cornerback off the board. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, But it's not like this guy is a random name that you shouldn't have heard of. He's undersized. That's his biggest flaw. But he's an absolute ball hawk. According to the Beast, the athletics draft guide, he led all cornerbacks in his class in touchdowns, or sorry, in interceptions and pass deflections, right? So more than Devon Witherspoon, more than Joey Porter, more than Christian Gonzalez, more than Deontay Banks when we talked about, he gave up 1.4 passer rating and man coverage. So this guy's a really good cornerback. He's just undersized. Uh, And the commanders had really few interceptions last year. So it's like it fits a need for them. They needed to improve their secondary, and they did that. Quan Martin, safety, their second pick, kind of a similar thing. He's also a ball hawk. He also led all safeties in that class in pass deflections and interceptions. Did he play five seasons to kind of skew that? (laughs) Yes. Do I care? No. (laughs) You can tell that there's, there's still a knack for it there, even though he played a lot. Uh, and like it, again, this this wasn't probably the strongest safety class you'll ever see in a draft, but he was arguably the best safety prospect in this class. You know, maybe second behind Brian Branch. And so it's still a good pick in the second round, I think. And then Ricky Stromberg, center that they took in the third round, same thing. Uh, not the strongest center class ever, but he was probably he was yeah one of the top center prospects. He's extremely athletic. He actually won the SEC award last year for best offensive lineman. The I learned that this is a thing, the Jacobs blocking trophy. For all of you who don't know, Mm -hmm. now you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually gave up zero sacks last year. So a really good center, too. Um, So, like, I think people might have said that some of these picks were reaches because maybe they weren't the the names at those positions that they were expecting to be drafted there. But I feel like the commanders had these guys listed. They knew which positions they wanted to pick. They knew which guys they wanted. And whether or not you think it's a reach is kind of a moot point because the commanders did their scouting. They seemed to like them. So I, I I, I understand where the commanders were coming from. In the early part of the draft, anyway. Next up, we got the Bears. Jared, what were your thoughts on the Bears?
0: Um, so, I feel like, in general, experts, like, didn't really hate that many people's drafts. And, like, the Bears maybe got some mixed grades. But most of the criticism, I think, came from uh, their D-tackle picks. Um, which other people really liked. So, for example, their first D- um, D-tackle was Jervin Dexter from Florida. And that that pick got a lot of bit, a little bit of criticism, but somebody like PFF noted they're still, uh, Dexter's still like only 21 years old, um, just, like just turned 21, and even though the criticism was basically that they didn't really do anything in college, like he only had like five sacks, something like that in his college career, um, but they are like physical specimens, and that's kind of what the Bears are banking on. Um, it's in the same thing with Zach Pickens was their other D line pick in the second round where they didn't really have that many good stats coming from, uh, South Carolina, but again, they have like the physical tools to do it. So that's what they're banking on. And PFF as well said they were the worst, uh, defensive interior in the league last year. So they addressed a need there. Um, and the two picks that people really loved, um, Darnell Wright, a lot of people said, some people said was maybe the best tackle in the draft, um, as well so they got him while being able to trade back still and like not have to use the first overall pick on a lineman you know um, which was nice and then uh, Rashawn Johnson from Texas a lot of people like that he was because he was Bajon Robinson's backup and basically they just said if Bajon Robinson was not there he would be the starter like Bajon Robinson's maybe the only person he would sit behind in the in the country Um, so a lot of people like that pick is round and that was a fourth round pick so Um, that's how I would defend the Bears draft there
1: Fair enough. Uh, Falcons. Next up, Lucas. Why were the Falcons okay?
2: Yeah, I want to comment first on something Jared said that I think was correct. I feel like experts were pretty high on everybody's draft. And I don't know if that's like great inflation, but I read a bunch where like nobody yeah. got lower than a B minus. Yeah, basically. For, like, a yeah. And I'm like, Is cause you that scroll, can't
3: possibly be true. You scroll until you see like a C or something, right? Like that's what you're yeah. looking for. I feel like on certain but, ones I didn't see it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Anyway, I saw a lot of B minuses for the yeah. Falcons and a lot of the criticism, sort of revolving around picking Bijan Robinson at number eight, not because obviously he's not an exceedingly talented player, a generational type talent that can do a bunch of stuff for you at running back, but just because the value is not there at eight when they have other glaring needs and when they've taken offensive players high up in the draft in the last two rounds, taking Drake London last year and Kyle Pitts the year before that. But I want to mm-hmm. sell you on a vision for the atlanta falcons as the san francisco 49ers of the south um and that's what they're trying to be uh with this draft um Isn't san francisco in the south no uh, that's no it's not yeah, north of like california
0: yeah, yeah. it's different
2: uh, well yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> of the southeast the, the san francisco 49ers of the southeast anyway and this draft helped them accomplish the that vision the 49ers are really successful not because they have a great quarterback but because they basically have an embarrassment of riches on offense. And the Falcons are, I think, trying to build in that model and are well on their way to creating something that looks like that with their draft picks in recent years. They have an electric pass catching, catching tight end in Kyle Pitts, an elite receiver potentially in Drake London, great running back play they had Tyler Allgaier last year who had over 1,000 yards as a rookie, and they added a guy who can do it all in B. John Robinson. And sure, they don't have a great quarterback in Desmond Ritter, but he's young, he can grow, and the 49ers have proven that you can have an embarrassment of riches at your skill positions and really succeed in spite of average quarterback play. You look at last year, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, whoever was in there, the offense ran well. The last three or four years sort of evidence how this model can work for the 49ers, and I think that's kind of what the Falcons are going for, just getting so many good players at the skill positions, they just can sort of overwhelm teams in that way. Now, there are a lot of other factors like coaching, et cetera, et cetera, that I don't know if the Falcons have, but I think if they're going for that vision of the 49ers, I think they're doing a really good job of it. Plus, outside of the Robinson pick, um, they plugged some of their holes. They had, they got a versatile O-line player and Syracuse offensive guard Matthew Bergeron. Uh, they got a good pass rusher um, with defensive end Zach Harrison. And they got a playmaking cornerback who can come in and play on day one. And Utah cornerback Chuck or Clark Phillips III. So you can say what you will about the B. John Robinson pick. I think he's an elite talent. They are clearly just loading up on offense. I think they're doing a good job of it to compete in a division where... There's not a ton of talent all around. We'll get to that in the next episode. But I think by loading up so heavily on offense, they are sort of setting themselves out for the rest of the division. So I think it's a successful draft for the Falcons.
3: I just feel bad for Tyler Algier. I feel like he was really good last year. He was like a very productive rookie running back. I don't know. He
2: was. He was really good (laughs) then. Sorry.
4: Yeah. (laughs) It's showbiz.
3: Tough. Yeah. So no respect to fifth rounders out there. Jeez um
1: why what about the texans and their two picks in the top three or whatever it was
4: well it's, it's it's hilarious and it's both impressive what the oklahoma city thunder are doing with their collection of draft picks uh the stat that they have 15 draft picks in the next couple of years is hilarious but at some point those players have to turn or those picks turn into players and those players have to play and the Texans were in a position with the capital of getting an extra pick from the Deshaun Watson move that they have the freedom to make a pick next year or to make a move this year and not give up a pick next year. They still will have a first round pick with uh, the Cleveland Browns pick sometime somewhere probably in the middle of that round. Um, for the Texans, how many people can say that they got the best or second best quarterback prospect in this draft and the best edge rusher in a given draft? Two key marquee positions that people need to fill for their teams and that is done so now for the rest of these drafts they already have a franchise left tackle laramie tunzel they now have a franchise quarterback they have a franchise edge rusher and pick 15 16 17 18 19 whatever the cleveland Browns pick ends up being will just be a supplementary pick that they can do to add to the roster whether that's another wide receiver or another defensive player somewhere somewhere uh, somewhere else on the team you know they they've arguably now filled the, the top three holes that people tell you need to fill, and they have an elite corner as well in Derek Stingley Jr. and This team might be farther ready to uh, ready to compete now in the next two years than we actually give them credit for.
3: Hmm. I don't know. I'm not really sold on the Texan mm-hmm. strategy. I just feel like like they have so many holes, and now they get they gave up what four draft picks for one.
4: I did not they're like them giving early. up the second round picks. What? I I like them giving up a pick. They're like they like, okay, we'll give you a first this year and a first next year. Giving they up, gave the, up early... the 33rd pick. Yeah, right? I this thought year, which is I like thought that was a mistake thing. given the way that the rest of the board fell. Like imagine if they had gotten a Michael Meyer or you know, the Brian Branch right. or you know, uh another player who's escaping me at this point, but you know, a, a talented level of the of of that magnitude to kind of add to their roster. I thought it would have been better, but I don't know what you're gonna do.
1: Uh, we're gonna close it out with a more fun take on the draft. That's superlatives for you, uh, Jared. Kick us off. What was your draft superlative this year? I'm
0: gonna go with craziest Goodell handshake. I've always found it funny that Roger Goodell like just daps up everyone and then gives them a hug instead of like a handshake or just just a hug. I I don't know why. I think that's funny. Actually, it'd be it'd, it'd be interesting to see if he does the key and peel thing, the key and peel like Obama skit where he like gives people different handshakes depending on the race. But I don't know. Uh, I think uh, craziest Goodell handshake runner up Tyree Wilson. He dapped him up and then lifted Goodell up, which was like pretty funny. But I think of course it's the Jalen Carter one where they had like a pinky promise kind of thing in the middle, and like a big handshake, then dap, and then hug. But yeah, I just always um, I just always find it funny that that's that's how Gordo like greets the players, like daps him up, pug. I don't know. That's that's what he does. He's he's been consistent.
3: It's like the one thing that he does that's like quote unquote cool. Yeah, right. yeah no, it, it looks pretty coordinated. For for sure. Yeah, like it, it looks yeah, like right they too. talked about it beforehand. Like it's impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm up. I want to talk about the most
1: ambitious day one outfit. I didn't want to use the word like worst or best because it's all subjective, it's but I subjective. thought this was ambitious. There were a lot of candidates this year. <laughs> a lot of... Yeah, I know. <laughs> there were a lot of good candidates because CJ had <laughs> the crazy navy suit with like the paint splatter. I thought it looked a little ridiculous, but it's not that weird, I guess. Bryce Young copied Travis Kelsey's suit that he had on SNL, which has like the... Like the um the sleeve down the middle also looks a little bit silly to me. Tyree Wilson, I wanted to give a shout out to because he had that like flowery suit and made him look like a Miami mobster. Uh, and he, he like had like a bunch of chest exposed. It was good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to the Vikes here. I, I think that this was Jordan Addison uh, with his like he had this super poppin' pink outfit. He had a bunch of bunch of jewelry. He had the necklace and the watch, and then the sunglasses that he refused <laughs> to take off. I just thought it was all a little bit too much. Uh, he should have he should have toned it down, I think, and taken off the glasses. Um, but I think it makes sense because players are probably trying to like push their brand or what have you right away at the draft, and he's trying to come off as the cool guy. But I thought that that outfit was a little bit over the top.
3: Too ambitious, for you?
1: Yeah, from from known fashion <laughs> <Yeah>. expert
3: Bart. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay, next up, Lucas. I'm
3: gonna
2: go with the story most likely to warm your heart. And that is Joey Porter getting drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what's better, I'd tell you, than coming back home? Joey Porter Jr., he is a child of Pittsburgh. His dad, Joey Porter, played for the Steelers from 1999 to 2006 and won a Super Bowl there. Joey went to two different high schools in the Pittsburgh area. He went to North Catholic in Cranberry, township before going to North Allegheny Senior High in Wexford. To capital off, he stayed in Pennsylvania uh, for college and he went to Penn State. So he's a local guy. So if you're him and you're scouting on teams to play for, who is your ideal team to play for? Probably the one that's in your hometown and your dad also played for. And Joey Porter Jr. got that opportunity. I'd seen a lot of mocks having him go to the Steelers in their original mm-hmm. pick at 14, but the Steelers instead picked Alabama offensive tackle Broderick Jones. I kind of thought that was it for him. I'm like, oh, that would have been a nice story. And yet, unexpectedly and inexplicably, Porter continued to fall down the draft boards. And ended up in the with the Steelers anyway, in the first pick of the second round. Um, I think it's just a nice story. They he has to stay in the family tradition playing for the Steelers. Um, everybody had a mock there early on, and even though he fell, he still got to end up for the team I'm sure he most wanted to play for. So most likely to warm your heart, Joey Porter Jr.
4: There was also a very touching video of him and his dad in like the green room after he I think falls out of the first round, I think is when the video is just like a motivating speech between the two. I thought was very nice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? What was your superlative?
4: Well, this is not a superlative. Not yet. I just could this. I was looking at the suits as you were talking about him and I saw Anthony Richardson on there. Did anyone see his brother, his 13 year old brother that. who had the deepest I voice I've him. ever heard in my life <laughs> <clears throat> and apparently had a neck tattoo. That it was <laughs> insane. As a 13 year old, like he like looks like a grown man, but like just not tall enough yet, and it's it's insane. He will be an NFL player at some point in his life, probably. Uh, my superlative this year is this year's lunch pail guy, not not the award that we give out during college, but the the maybe the Isaiah Pacheco award of like this guy just runs hard. He's just a blue chipper. I think it's Zach Charbonnet for the Seattle Seahawks, who looks like he's going to get a lot of run. Um, the Seahawks have had a handful of injuries over the last couple of years with the running back. So I think that they're going to do a two-headed monster attack between him and Kenneth Walker. Uh, he, he runs hard, runs downhill. He's quick. He uh, From the clips I saw, he saw, people were bouncing off of him. Uh, he is a pretty decent pass protector from everything that I saw as well. And I think that there's just going to be a guy, I think people are going to be all over the Seahawks this year as well. But anytime he's out there, I think the announcers just going to go crazy for him and talk about like how just you know, blue chipper mm-hmm. nose in the dirt type guy he is. Or and they're gonna use the term lunch pill guy. I don't want to say sneaky athletic because I couldn't really do the math. Mm-hmm. Players are too athletic nowadays to really for them to be yeah. too sneaky. <laughs> so he's just a blue chipper to me.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, Aiden.
3: My superlative is most likely to be Brock Purdy V two. Because 14 quarterbacks were taken in the draft, which is the most ever, you know, everyone I feel like is trying to find their own Hmm. Mr. Irrelevant from last year, Brock Purdy. Um, The answer is nobody, because no one was picked by (laughs) Kyle Shanahan. Uh, But no, um, not that, notwithstanding, I want it to be Stetson Bennett, but I don't think he's going to be good soon. I think in Stetson Bennett tradition, he's going (laughs) to be like 37 and finally get his chance to start. And then it's going to just become a phenomenon. You know, just mm-hmm. dominate. Um, but but for real, I think it's Tanner McGee. He was had a terrible team around him at Stanford, Was but was apparently a very quick processor, uh, which I feel like is the downfall of many college QBs. Jared's shaking his head <laughs> when coming to the NFL. Um, and I feel like he's very used to being under pressure because his offensive line was bottom 10 in the Power Five. Um, so I, I have some hope that, you know, maybe with a vaguely competent team around him he could show i'm
0: not convinced bit. aiden because it's we they're always like, high yeah. on like some fourth round stanford quarterback the all the top. time and they never do anything like <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh-huh. this guy hasn't played deal. a lot of football yeah. in his life he's actually only he's only been playing football for two years and then like that's how yeah. this, they get their stanford quarterbacks and i was like he has so much hey, room davis growing.
3: mills is dominant yeah so i you know I, the track record <laughs> is sterling Anyways, that's going to do it for us today. Um, alluding to, to Lucas's super, superlative earlier, uh, we are the pod most likely to warm your heart um, on the internet. So please keep returning to us. Uh, follow us, like, subscribe on all our social medias, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at Guys underscore. Um, and return for the second episode of the week, where we're going to talk a little bit more uh, NFL stuff.